worship celebration. All our kids are here. And my daughter saw Jordan, or uh, my daughter Jordan saw uh, Derek pouring that water on me, and she said, Daddy, are you okay? So she and Derek already kind of have a love-hate relationship, so I think it went down a little bit more. Um, well, hey, it's good to be back with you after a week of uh, being on vacation. And I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, Chuck was real um, excited about me teaching this week because we have all of our kids in here. And you know, kids are our best critics, right? Uh, they have an ability to do that. And so I read a couple of stories this week that I thought I'd share with you. Uh, the first one is a story about a mom who had a whole bunch of people over uh, for dinner to her house. And she asked her six-year-old if uh, the six-year-old would go ahead and pray. And the six-year-old said, well, I wouldn't know what to say, Mommy. And the mom just kind of reassured her, well, you know, uh, be willing to just say what Mommy says. And the daughter bowed her head and everybody else bowed their head and they prayed. And she began by saying, Lord, why on earth won't these people get out of here? Why did I invite them to dinner? So that's one. That wasn't as good as it could have been, I guess. Uh, Here's another one. Another story I heard this week was a little boy uh, who, after uh, the service, uh, went up to the pastor and said, Hey, I have a question for you. And the pastor said, Sure, uh, go ahead, ask your question. And he said, Well, the Bible says that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, the children of Israel built the temple, the children of Israel did this and that. I want to know what the grown-ups did. Well, kids are uh, some of our best critics, and they're some of our greatest blessings. And today, what I want to do is provide for us um, some tools, some practical tools, how both kids and parents and families together can maintain spiritual momentum throughout the summer. You see, the reality is that when summer hits, what typically happens is people... Uh, and adults and kids kind of take a break, even from God. They kind of take a vacation from it. They don't maybe pray as much. They don't read their Bible. They don't come to church as much. Um, they just get a little bit less disciplined uh, in their spiritual life. And part of that you can understand. Uh, if you have young kids uh, who are in school, now all of a sudden they're not at school, and they're at home, and so they have activities and different things that are going on. And uh, you find it harder and harder as a parent to kind of carve in some time to connect. And uh, even if you're an empty nester and you don't have any kids, um, you still have your grandkids' activities and projects and different things. And so um, if we're not careful, uh, we can lose kind of the spiritual momentum that we've had from winter and spring and Easter, and we can go into summer and just kind of back away. So today, what I want to do, I want to talk about how we can uh, not lose our progress that we've had, and then how to kind of maintain spiritual momentum uh, throughout the summer. Now, the truth is, folks, that momentum uh, is not an easy thing to come by. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort. In fact, uh, spiritual growth is never smooth sailing. It's often two steps forward 
and one step back. Two steps forward, one step back. And it isn't easy to grow spiritually at all. We grow, and what happens is that often a problem comes into our life or into our family, and we kind of slip back into what is comfortable in the easy ways. Now, we see this in our own individual lives, but we also have seen it in a figure in our culture. In fact, this is not just any figure, but it's almost kind of a cultural icon. It, uh, in fact, is a figure that has been put into a book, and it's sold over 10 million copies. So kids, I'm going to uh, put a picture up here, and I want any of our kids to uh, tell us uh, who this is. Who is that? Look, kids, some kids really know. Who, who is it? Okay, it's not Thomas. Let me help you out. But you're close. You're kind of related to your dad, so we, under, we understand that. That was Chuck Mock, everybody. Okay. Okay, can you say it? Little engine that could. Okay, it was the little engine that could. And uh, this is a really important story, one that Chuck Mock could read to his son maybe and uh, help that out so that he'd know uh, which one that is. Um, But uh, it's the little engine that could. And uh, what I'd like to do is there are going to be some slides that come on and we're going to kind of have story time, okay? I'm going to tell the story of the little engine that could. And uh, for some of you adults, uh, you haven't heard this in a while, so you'll think it's really cool. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll put the first slide up here and we'll read it. Chug, chug, puff, puff, ding, dong. Along came the little train. She was carrying toys to girls and boys at the other side of the mountain. In her cars were all kinds of toy animals, even a baby elephant. There were sailboats and drums and dolls and the funniest toy clown you ever saw. But all at once, at the foot of the mountain, the little train stopped. She could not move at all. Now, who would pull the toys over the mountain. About that time, a brand new shiny engine came along. Everybody thought for sure that that new engine could take the toys and gifts to the little boys and girls. But the shiny new engine snorted, take your stuff? No way! I only carry important people. I would never carry the likes of you. And the brand new shiny engine pulled away. Then a big black passenger engine came. It could easily carry all of these gifts and toys to the good little girls and boys over the mountain. But the big black engine said, I only haul big machines and important products. I am very, very important. I am an important engine, and there is no way I would pull the lights of you. And the black engine puffed off. Just then, the clown called out, Look, 
a little blue engine is coming. Please, little blue engine, cried all the dolls and toys. Won't you pull our train over the mountain? Oh, my, said the little blue engine. I'm not very big, and I've never been over the mountain, but I will try. The little blue engine hitched herself to the train. She pulled and she tugged. I think I can. I think I can, she said. Slowly, the little blue engine began to move. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And up the mountain she went with the train full of toys. Finally, the train reached the top of the mountain. Hooray! Hooray! cried all the dolls and toys. Thank you, little blue engine. The little blue engine just smiled. And as she puffed down the mountain, she seemed to say, I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. This is one of my uh, oldest daughter, uh, Jordan's, favorite books. Uh, She's four years old, and we read this a lot. Now, what is interesting about this story is that each of the engines, each of the trains, had to evaluate themselves before they decided that they would participate in taking all the dolls and toys over the mountain. Each of them had to assess if they had the drive, if they had the energy, if they actually had the time to do that. This week I actually interviewed uh, a guy that I know who is a train conductor, and I was asking him, uh, you know, what are some of the important things of being a train conductor? And this is what he told me. He said that the most important thing is not necessarily driving the train, but the most important thing is evaluating the train before it ever pulls out of the train station. He said the most important thing you can do as a conductor is know how to do brake inspections every single time. He said, I walk the length of this train and I check the brake cylinder to see if each of the trains, uh, are, all of the brakes on the train cars are engaged. I also check each train to make sure that no doors are opened so that uh, nothing falls out. And finally, I check to make sure that all the hazardous cars are within five car lengths of the engine. And when I finally get back to the train, I check all of the compressors of the engine. But the most important thing is doing all of those checks before we ever go and actually move the train. Now, spiritually, we must do the same thing. I mean, if we're going to stay on the top of our spiritual game to develop tools to have spiritual momentum... We have to evaluate. In fact, that's the first tool that I want to share with you this morning is simply evaluation. How do I maintain spiritual momentum? The first thing you do is you have an evaluation. You evaluate yourself. The Bible says this, check up on yourselves. And Lamentations tells us, let us examine ourselves and let us repent. 
Let us turn away from our own selfish ways and turn towards God. Now the question becomes, how do I evaluate? How do I examine myself? What is it that I need to check on? And there's kind of four things that I think are important as we evaluate ourselves. The first thing we need to evaluate is the physical. Our physical bodies. So you simply ask the question, what is my body telling me right now? What's my body telling me? Because your body, folks, is a barometer for what's happening on the inside. You ever think about that? It's the barometer that tells what's happening on the inside. Do you have tense muscles? Do you have a headache? Do you have a backache? I'm no doctor, but if those things came into me, you know what I would guess you have? Stress! You're stressed out! You see, your body is a barometer. Your body's like the warning light for everything within you. And if something's wrong, you know, don't pretend that it's not there. You need to stop. And maybe just in the middle of your day, you pull back and you say, what is my body saying to me right now? Am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I fatigued? Am I stressed out? All of these things could be symptoms of a bigger issue that's going on. Here's a second area to look at, and that is your emotions. Your emotional kind of life. Your emotions. What am I feeling right now? Am I allowing uh, emotions to surface in my life, or am I just kind of pushing them down? Am I kind of stuffing them? You see, folks, when you push your emotions down, it's a lot like taking an old Coke bottle and you shake it up a whole lot. And if you're not careful, the lid, if you shake it forever, the lid eventually is going to explode because it just can't handle that much pressure. It's eventually going to blow. So this morning, I want to do a little heart check. And for those of you who like to take notes, this isn't in your notes, so you can put it down at the bottom. But it's a little heart check. And the H stands for, am I hurting? Am I hurting? If you're hurting uh, and you won't admit it, you know, what's, what's really going on? Because if you're hurting and you don't deal with the hurt in your life, it's going to mess up. What's going on? Here's the E. Am I exhausted? If you want to have a heart check for your emotions, you ask the question, am I exhausted? Some of you are yawning right now, so it tells me you are, okay? So you're good. Here's the A. Am I angry? Am I angry at anyone? Am I angry at anyone? R. Do I resent anybody? Is there somebody in my life that I'm harboring grudges toward? You know, uh, my wife's a physician. She says that a lot of times when people come in, if they just got rid of their resentment and bitterness, it would be amazing how much healthier they, they would get. And then T is, am I tense? Am I anxious? Am I fearful? Am I, am I tense? So we do the physical. We do uh, the emotional. And then, finally, we have to evaluate our relationships or relationally uh, what's going on. 
Am I at peace with everyone? Everyone I come in contact with. Am I ah, at peace? They don't like freak me out. I don't get anxious being around them. Am I at peace? Or as I like to say sometimes, or are you the kind of person in which some people in your life are living rent-free in your mind? Some people in your life are living rent-free in your mind. You see, in family systems, folks, there is always some relative. If any of you get together for Memorial Day weekend, there's going to be some relative that everyone is like, ugh, and you'll try to stay away from. It might be your mom, might be your dad, might be a brother or a sister or a cousin or whatever, but one of those people has hurt you and maybe they've hurt a lot of people in your family. I mean, it may not be this weekend, but maybe Aunt Bertha, 15 years ago, who lives a thousand miles away, said something that hurt you, and you wake up every once in a while with her picture in your mind, and you notice that your hands are like trying to strangle that person. And you're letting her live rent-free in your mind. You're preoccupied. She's controlling your thoughts. And you've got to let it go. In fact, if you need to ask yourself, is, you should ask yourself this morning, is there anybody who is living rent-free in my mind? Because if they are, you need to let that go. Maybe you're holding on to a hurt. Here's a final area of evaluation, and it's one that I'll give some uh, more thoughts later on, but it's spiritually. Spiritually. Are you relying on God spiritually? Moment by moment, are you relying more on God, or are you relying more on yourself? Now, these four areas need to be evaluated maybe as individuals, but also as a family. As a family, how are you guys doing physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually? If you would, uh, in your teaching outline, and uh, all of you uh, have one in your program, there's a little assessment there. And uh, there's ten questions uh, that are found. And what I'd like you to do is to go ahead and fill that out. And, Mikey, if you could maybe play a little music for us. Uh, But a little family survey. So when you look at your family and you assess your family, what would you say? Are people in your home regularly sick? And then just kind of circle. Never, rarely, sometimes, most of the time, always. Okay? So take a few moments. Let's fill this out real quick. And kids, look at your parents. And if they're lying, let them know. Okay? She's a marvelous light. I'm running out of darkness, out of shame. By the cross, you are the truth. Kindness wakened me, wakened me from my sleep. Now your love it beckons deeply. Okay, eyes on your own paper, okay? By grace, I will come and take this life. Take your. 
like you to do. I'd like you to take this and actually put it on your refrigerator. And what I'd like you to do at the end of the summer, I want you to take this again because we're going to give you some tools at the end of our time to kind of help with that. And if you're kind of like, I don't want everyone to know uh, what's going on with my family, but the reality is, folks, not if there's any family that has always on the far right side, you're a liar, Okay. Because there's no family that's going to get all perfect ones, okay? We all have our own things that we're better at or maybe not so better as a family. But what would be really cool is maybe on this one uh, that says, do you pray uh, daily as a family? Maybe some of you put never. And so uh, by the end of, uh, you know, the time, maybe you say sometimes. Or uh, maybe you have family devotions or whatever it is. Um, hopefully uh, peace in your home kind of increases. But take it again and see if some of the tools we give you today um, will not help with that. Okay. Um, It's all about small steps to get over the mountain, to be able to say, as a family, I think I can, I think we can, I think we will. So how do we maintain spiritual momentum? First of all, we have to evaluate honestly where we're at. Secondly, we need to work on our meditation, on meditation. Now, when I say meditation, I'm not talking about... You know, I'm not talking about that, okay? Um, kids, uh, just for a second... Uh, what is uh, what is this book? Any kids? What is this book? Okay, it's the Holy Bible. Good job. How did he read that? I mean, most kids would say Bible, but it actually says that right there. Uh, yeah, it's a Bible. But I want you kids to know that it's so much more than a Bible. It is a love letter from God to you. It's not just uh, a book. It's actually a love letter written for you. That no matter who you are, that no matter what you go through, that God loves you and he will always love you no matter what. And the words that are in this book are just filled with God saying how much he loves us. You know, meditation, like I said earlier, really isn't that kind of new age Eastern religion. But the concept of meditation actually began in the Bible, a biblical concept. And what it means is this, to slow down enough to hear God. If you want to meditate, you have to slow down enough to hear God. You see, folks, business always stifles growth. And it doesn't seem that way. It seems like when we're more busy, we're more productive. And the reality is, if you grow spiritually, it is about slowing down enough to hear God. And uh, Satan, I think more than any other thing that he does in my life, he tries to keep me away 
from meditating upon God's Word. And uh, he uses three tools, noise, crowds, and hurry. The noise of our culture that says, oh, do this. The crowds of people who come in and say, hey, hang out with us, or just hurry, constantly being on the go. Those three things, more than anything else, keeps me and keeps you from hearing from God. The Bible says this, Happy are those who are always meditating on God's laws and thinking about ways to follow Him more closely. They are like trees along a river that do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. The key to growth as an individual, the key to growth as a family, is to have deep roots in this book. That you have deep roots in God's Word. And the way that you get deep roots is that you meditate on His words. You seriously think about what is said, and then uh, you go ahead and say, what does this mean for my life? How can I apply it? That's meditation. Now, when you do this, it says, you are like a tree planted by a river that when the heat comes on, you don't wither away. And when the drought comes, you don't dry up and blow away. In other words, folks, when storms hit our lives as families. And if you think in the Midwest, there have been tons of storms that have affected tons of families. And we're thinking right now about a mission trip that we're going to do this summer. I hope many of you will take advantage of it. But there's physical storms that hit, but there are also emotional storms and relational storms. And when those storms hit, if you're not in God's Word and it's not central to your family, you'll be blown away. Then notice the benefit. It says, if they meditate, they succeed in what? What? Everything. Not some things, not one thing, but everything they do. How many of you would like to succeed in everything you do? Raise your hand. Yeah. Everybody wants to do that. You want to be successful in everything you do. And God says, simply put, meditate on God's Word. That habit alone will help you to be successful and to do what he calls you to do. The universal truth is this, folks. Successful families are families who regularly meditate on God's words. And folks, if you want success in your marriage, if you want success in your work, if you want success in your relationships, if you want success in your families, meditating on God's word regularly is what brings us success. You see, folks, this book is like a manual for life. None of us ever want 16-year-olds driving without a manual before, right? We want them to do that. And God looks at all of His children and He says, why would you go through life and maybe you'll wreck or maybe you'll uh, create some issue without meditating on this guide for life? It becomes like instructions to help you through anything. Now, I know some of you are saying right now, oh, great bunch. You know, Memorial Day, we thought a couple of jokes, a high five, and we're out of here, you know. And you're telling us that if we want to be successful as a family, that we need to 
have a successful summer, and that means we have to meditate on His Word. So how do we do it? How do we meditate on His Word? Well, Psalm 119 uh, says this, I have thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. He says, I think about your words and then I actually store them in my heart. Well, how do you do that? How do you store things in your mind or in your heart? How did you store uh, one plus one equals two, kids? <laughs> yeah, we have some issues there, and that's for sure. But one plus one, how do you know? You memorize, right? You memorize multiplication tables. We all have to memorize things. Well, if you want to store God's words in your heart, you memorize them. And as you think about the things that are important, principles, key passages, it keeps you from sinning. It keeps you from stumbling. It helps your family not to stumble. The key to avoiding temptation is to think and meditate on God's words. Because the reality is, folks, if you know how to worry, how many worry warts are here? Some of you are worrying about tomorrow, aren't you? You got people coming over, and you're like, ah, how are we going to do this? You're worried. This is the reality. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Worry is just negative meditation. Meditation is taking a verse of the Bible and thinking on it over and over and over again. So if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Now, the kids in our pre-K class uh, this last month have been memorizing a scripture verse. It's Genesis 1-1. Any of you adults want to take a chance, stab at it? Okay. I didn't think so. Well, this is it. God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1. When we were on vacation last week, uh, Jordan, my oldest daughter, has memorized this and she told me, she said, Dad, I've memorized this scripture. And uh, since she's been doing this, I've been trying to memorize uh, one a week. And so my scripture was 2 Corinthians 9.15, which says, Thank God for his son, a gift to wonderful for words. And so I wrote both of these down on a three-by-five card, and uh, we had these. And Jordan can't even read, but she was real excited to have this card. And we put it up, and we just kind of memorized these. Well, day two came, and she said, Hey, Dad, I memorized another Bible scripture. I said, You did? She said, Yeah. She said, God made the heavens and kids, Genesis 2-2. Then she said, No, I've learned one more. She said, God made the heavens and food, Genesis 3-3. She said, No, 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 Dad. I memorized one more. God made the heavens and the animals, Genesis 4-4. And uh, she learned counting from her mom. But um, it really is kind of cool to see that she is embracing the importance of meditating on God's Word. And she can't even read right now. And she's memorizing. She's meditating that God is one who creates all things. Okay, so we evaluate, we meditate, and finally we communicate. We have to have communication. We have to have communication. 
If we're going to maintain spiritual momentum, we have to do all three. Now, kids, kids only, um, what, is it, what is it when we communicate with God? What do we call that? What do we call communicating with God? Okay, here's one back here. Here, I'll give you a little mic. Okay, what, what, what do we call communicating with God? Praying. Praying. Okay. Some adults didn't know that. <laughs> One guy's back there going, I don't know. I, I've never done that. Yeah, communicating. It, it means uh, prayer. Uh, that's what we need to do. And um, so that's uh, something that's really important. And prayer is simply talking to your best friend. Just like you talk to your best friend, uh, prayer is simply talking to God. And prayer can do whatever God can do. In fact, it's the way that you plug into God's um, power. The way that you're getting cooled down right now is because something's plugged into a power source that cools us down. And if you want to uh, get plugged into a spiritual source, you have to plug into God. You see, this is one of my favorite uh, phrases. Prayer moves God, and God moves mountains. Prayer moves God, and then God moves mountains. However, many times, the reality is, in your life and my life, we're a lot like the first three little engines. We're like, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I can't take the, you know, little girls and boys' uh, toys and dolls across the mountain. Because we're focusing on our own strength and our own power. Folks, there are many things that I can't do. There are many, some of you are like, yeah, we know. Uh, there are many things that I can't do. There are many things that you can't do. And the reality is, though, God can do anything. So the question becomes, how do I tap into God's power? How do I get connected to His power? It's through prayer. Now, most of us don't realize that we can pray for any need in our life. Anything. God is a loving Father. He loves to give good gifts to His kids. And uh, maybe He's the only Father that some of you have ever known. But you can pray for anything. You can pray for your finances. You can pray for your emotions. You can pray for a physical need, a relational need, a spiritual need. You can pray for anything. Any need, God wants to hear from you. Chuck Swindoll, who's a pastor, uh, tells a story about receiving a letter from a lady who had 12 children. 12 children. The ironic thing is she never got married until she was 31. And she told him, she said, I never got worried about getting married. I just laid my concern at the Lord's hands and kind of trusted Him for my future. However, she said, the way that I did that was I hung a pair of men's pants at the end of the bed and I would kneel and pray this prayer every single day. Father in heaven, hear my prayer and grant it if you can. I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill it with a man. (laughs) Now Chuck said that he shared this story uh, to his uh, church and a guy... Uh, was sitting down there laughing like some of you were, but he had a teenage son who was not laughing at all. And he said about four weeks later, he got a letter from the mother, and uh, this is what she said. 
Pastor Chuck, I don't know if this is serious or not. I was just wondering what your thoughts were. Every night when my son gets ready to pray, he puts a bikini at the end of his bed. (laughs) Prayer really can do what God can do. Now, the big question that people often ask is, how do I pray? How do I pray? Well, Jesus teaches us that. This is the next passage. It says, this then is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. Forgive us the wrongs that we have done as we forgive the wrongs that others have done. Do not bring us into temptation, but keep us safe from the evil one. Now, I want you to notice a couple things about the Lord's Prayer. First of all, I'd like you to circle the word how, if you're a person that takes note. uh, How. Notice it says this is how we should pray. It does not say that this is what you should pray. It says how. In other words, it's a model. It's not to be a ritual kind of prayer. People sometimes uh, who've been in other churches will come up to me and they'll say, well, why don't you say the Lord's Prayer uh, every single week? And Jesus says earlier, in passages before this, he says, don't repeat a ritual prayer. Don't have vainless repetitions. This was not a prayer to be used as a ritual. It was to be a model. This is what you are to pray, not how you are to pray. Now, in saying all of this, I do want to say that I think it's important for our families that you learn this prayer. And the reason is, is because it helps kids to realize then that God is God and they are not, that God can provide for all of your needs, that God forgives us and we need to forgive other people, and that finally, that God can give us anything to overcome any temptation. This is a great prayer for you to learn as a family. But not just a ritual prayer, but one in which you help your kids know how to pray it. And it's important uh, for you to allow your kids to pray at dinner time and at night and other times. Don't always be the one that prays. Allow them to pray. Our youngest daughter, uh, Shiloh, is two. And uh, she prays almost every single time uh, at our meals. Now, she can't even say a complete sentence right now, okay? But she can pray. And this is how she prays. God, be with mommy, daddy, mama, papa, Jordan. God, be with mommy, daddy, Jordan, mama, papa. God, God, be with mama, papa, daddy, Jordan, and her poopy. And... I don't know why she does this, but she prays for her, her, uh, her sister's digestive system. And, uh, but she does poop well, you know. I mean, God will answer anything, I guess. Some kids right now are like, man, he said poop. He said poop. I did. Um, but you need to let your kids pray. Secondly, uh, I, I just got this from a person in our church this week. She said that her... Uh, son 
Whenever he is away and he's out of town, he calls and he prays with his kids at night. Now, I've always prayed with my wife at night, but I've never done that with my kids. So I'm kind of challenged now that I want to do that. When, I, uh, when I'm away, I want to be able to call and do that. Folks, as you communicate to God as a family, you become a healthier family. And most of all, the spiritual momentum in your family continues to grow. Because this is really true. It's a statement that we see, but it is true. The family that prays together stays together. Well, the story of the little engine that could really is a powerful story because it's all about maintaining momentum. It had to have momentum to get all the way to the top of the uh, mountain. And the engine said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And it made it over the mountain. And as we begin to evaluate our lives and we meditate on God's Word and we communicate with our loving Father, we come over the mountains in our own lives and we help our families overcome mountains too. Now, this is really the question that uh, is important to ask. And that is, the little engine said, I think I can, I think I can. But you have a God, folks, who doesn't say, I think I can. He says, whatever you need, whatever mountain you need to get over. I'm not the engine who says, I think I can. He says, I'm the one who says, I can and I will. When you came in today, each one of you received uh, in your program a sheet of paper that uh, looked like this. I'd like you to pull it out, and this is our last thing. And what this is, is a calendar to create spiritual momentum for you and your family for the rest of the summer. Uh, With Jennifer uh, Welch's help, who uh, does our children's and family ministry, uh, she came and she actually uh, put this together. And uh, what she did was, uh, she has you to go through the book of Mark uh, for the next two months. So if you've never been through the book of Mark, Uh, You can do that. And then there are different things that you can do, both meditating, communicating, and then just evaluating, having fun. Uh, If you look, for instance, uh, coming up on uh, next Sunday, uh, actually, it says, take a picnic lunch to the park. Before you eat, have everyone uh, say one thing that they're thankful for. Let one of the kids lead you in the prayer. So just a small thing. Now, if you're an empty nester, you guys can do this too. You just don't have kids, okay? And uh, you can do that. But I would strongly encourage you to put this on uh, your refrigerator. Jennifer and I are going to do this as a family and uh, this summer then to just see how we gain spiritual momentum. Let's uh, just close in prayer, and uh, you'll be free to go after that. So please stand, and uh, we'll close in prayer, and then we'll, we'll be done. Let's pray. Uh, God, we uh, thank you so much for all our families and uh, kids who uh, came here today. Um, God, they had many different things that they could have did today, and I'm grateful that they came. And from my perspective, God, that calendar right there is worth the price of admission today. That it alone, God, could transform families this summer, that uh, we would not just kind of 
you know, just take a summer off, but we could actually gain spiritual momentum as families. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to evaluate, to know how to, to know how to meditate on your words, how to communicate with you through prayer. And that as we do that, God, that both as individuals and families, we would gain spiritual momentum throughout this summer. God, uh, thank you for each person that's here. Uh, Bless them. And uh, God, give them a great uh, couple days as families to hang out. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on out. Thank you.